just devastating. There's a hundred homes in Trader's Cove. And I just can't imagine. I feel for everybody, all of my friends who have been impacted. I understand that my house is standing and I don't know why. Devastation in West Kelowna after a night of terror. Uh, emergency responders were trapped because they were rescuing members of the public uh, who had chosen not to leave. Many stunned by how quickly the fire roared down the hill to the lake. And today, a new and possibly greater challenge lies ahead. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. The Okanagan wildfire situation is about as bad as it gets, and it continues to threaten lives and property. Many Kelowna neighborhoods are under evacuation orders and alerts. Cassidy Moscone joins us now live from West Kelowna with the latest in Cassidy. They are emphasizing how important it is to get out when an evacuation order is issued. Following that advice can save your life, Chris. It's incredibly important to listen to fire crews directions. This fire is like nothing they have ever seen before. The West Kelowna fire chief told us that uh, it was like 100 years of firefighting in just the one night. Fatigued but pushing on, firefighters are preparing for round two. Firefighters race in as Kelowna residents race out. Chaos amid an ever-changing, out-of-control wildfire that jumped across the Okanagan Lake late Thursday. Take it an hour at a time. Through the night, homes burned. It was a devastating night last night, probably one of the toughest of my career. The toughest of all of our firefighters' careers. One of the most challenging nights of firefighting in our history. This morning, West Kelowna woke up to the same grim reality. The city choked in smoke, the threat far from over. Don't panic. Be ready. We may have another scary night tonight. People are going to see that glow again and it's going to look worse than you ever expected. Thousands displaced watched in horror. We were all just amazed at the wind and the sort of the vortexes that would bring the flames up, you know, two or three hundred feet at least, and how far the embers spread. Those who consider themselves lucky. I understand that my house is standing and I don't know why. How can a little pocket of homes be okay and then the rest of the community incinerated? The trauma is still there. Entire communities across the region locked down. The Okanagan Resort fell victim. The golf club evacuated too. The Glenmore landfill site went up next, prompting UBC Okanagan to cancel exams and evacuate the campus. Authorities restricting the airspace and lake access to emergency officials only as they struggle with Mother Nature for the upper hand. If residents thought last night was bad, we're, we, we're being warned to brace for another hellish night. That number of evacuation orders is expected to rise. Authorities have already told me they've lost count. It's somewhere north of 8,700 residents ordered out of their homes. Chris? All right, let's hope all of them listen this time. Thanks very much, Cassidy. That's Cassidy in West Kelowna. Now, nearly 100 seniors living in the Brookhaven Care Centre in West Kelowna have been evacuated. 
Of the 95 residents who live there, 13 were transferred to Summerland. 77 went to care facilities in Kelowna. Four went home with family, and one of them is in hospice. And as Cassidy mentioned, there are thousands of properties in the area under evacuation order or alert right now. Those residents fleeing on short notice with little more than what they could very quickly pack. And Richard Zussman joins us with more on where those people are going and the measures set up to help them. Richard. The one question people have here, Chris, is, is my home still standing? And although they may be safe here at Prospera Place in downtown Kelowna, there are never-ending reminders of this fire. Ash in the air. You can hear the helicopters overhead going to get water to help fight these fires. People are sad. They're frustrated. They are trying to figure out what's going to come next for their property. But they are also thankful that they are still here. And in many cases, their loved ones are here with them. They are getting support at this evacuation center. There is an evacuation center in West Cologne at the Royal LePage place. There's also an evacuation at the Caltire place in Vernon. And when people arrive there, they have a place to stay if needed. They get some food, all of that, uh, as they try to brace for what is going to be a very difficult night. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I'm alive, my girlfriend's alive, dog's alive, you know, and I'm just really grateful to be a part of this community that's rallying, right? It's, it is tough, but, you know, we haven't lost anyone, right? So that's really important. We didn't even get a warning from the emergency BC. It was, it was a UBCO uh, automated system that sent us a message saying that, hey, you know, a wildfire started nearby, like, evacuate. So then off that, it's just chaos, you know, trying to pack everything, make sure you got everything, getting out. So luckily we made it out. Uh, my buddies made it out too. And now it's just, we're just planning, you know, next steps. The province is worried there will be more evacuees, as Cassidy mentioned, and they are running out of places to put them. There is an encouragement to British Columbians and anyone else, do not come to the central Okanagan right now. Do not come to Kelowna for a visit or West Kelowna. If you had a trip planned, cancel it. The conditions are far too dire. Additional police support continues to come to the area if there are more evacuations. And Premier David Eby will be making a statement to British Columbians in about 10 minutes' time at 6.15 as the province faces this deteriorating condition and we expect an update from the Premier about those conditions and what will come next from the province as they are bracing to fight and continue to go through what's going to be a really tough 24 to 48 hours, Chris. Right, Richard, thanks very much. And yes, we're hoping for the best out there and appreciate that there are a lot of people, a lot of people trying to help those who have been evacuated. All right, winds blowing in every direction have caused increasingly aggressive wildfire behavior for the Crater Creek Fire near Karameos. The regional district of Okanagan-Similkameen has placed more than a dozen properties there under evacuation order and more than 100 are on alert. They don't know which way the wind will blow and which direction it will send the flames. So local firefighters have been called in to support the firefight while an emergency reception center has been set up in Penticton for evacuees. There's a lot of um, structured firefighters from different communities coming out to support, basically just checking for hot spots, going around you know, the areas where there's evacuated buildings. I'm scared. <laughs> you know, last night I left at 10 o'clock and it was terrifying. Like the whole mountain was just like in flames and we didn't know how low it was going to go. 
Anyone near the Crater Creek wildfire is being asked to be prepared to leave at a moment's notice, regardless of the current evacuation status. Now, the firefighting situation has become so dangerous, crews battling the East Adams Lake Fire and the Shushwap have been pulled back to their staging areas. That fire, located on the north shore of Shushwap Lake and both of Adams Lake, has exploded in size, covering more than 100 square kilometers. Local First Nations, regional districts, and communities have expanded a string of nearly a dozen evacuation orders, saying the fire poses a significant threat to human life. There are visible flames. Uh, there is entire tree consumption in some areas. That uh, recommendation for an order, an order that has now been issued, um, just a reflection of uh, highly increased fire activity. But at this point, really, it's, it's, we're on the defense uh, for the next couple of hours into the overnight period um, and, and just dealing with these in, increased winds and increased fire behavior. Just after 5 p.m., the Scotch Creek Bridge, one of the key transportation choke points in that area, was closed after it was surrounded by flames. So it's bad everywhere. We'll take you back to West Kelowna right now because the risk fire crews are taking these days to protect both people and property can't be understated. West Kelowna, or can't be overstated, let's, say, let's put it that way. West Kelowna's fire chief, Jason Broland, has been at the front lines of this disaster and he joins us now with more. And Chief Broland, first of all, thank you for the work you and your team are doing and the time you're giving us tonight. What is your focus for the people who live in your community right now? Well, Chris, first of all, we're devastated. Uh, we're devastated by the loss, uh, the loss last night, the loss today. Um, our focus is to stop this fire, uh, but we find ourselves in a tricky, tricky situation. Uh, today's been a bad day. Uh, last night was a bad night. And I am really fearful uh, we're in it uh, again tonight. Uh, I don't want to cause panic. I don't want to alarm people. But I want them to know how serious this situation is. Um, you know, it, it won't be long now. And, and, you know, the vast majority of our community um, could be on evacuation alert, uh, if not on order. So people need to heed this and get serious. You mentioned that somebody had told you that it seemed like fighting 100 years of fires in one night. Describe, if you can, the intensity of what your crews had to deal with. Yeah, this fire uh, came with a vengeance. Um, you know, we um, had some warning and we used that time to warn people uh, to get out of the way. Um, we put people on evacuation alert and expected that they would listen to us when we told them it was time to go. We had an, order, uh, an orderly evacuation for the most part. I know the neighborhoods seemed very empty as we were in them fighting the fires. But I, I, I just desperately hope that uh, everyone we told to get out uh, did get out. Um, today has been a, a repeat uh, of yesterday. Do you know, uh, Chief, if there's anything that could have been done differently uh, in the days leading up to the fire that could have saved more properties? Is, are, are there preventative measures that could or should have been taken? Uh, what should people be doing now to prepare for the next round? Chris, we have an active FireSmart program in our community. Uh, we pay people to make their properties FireSmart, uh, for example. Um, 
We had very little notice. This fire grew very quickly and we used the time we had deliberately to warn people uh, to get ready. We'll always learn from our experiences, but what people should be doing now is two things, making a plan, talking to their family, being ready to go when we ask them to leave. And number two is looking at those last minute things you can be doing around your house if you have yet to be evacuated uh, in order to make it a little bit safer for the firefighters who are here from around the province uh, who may be in your yard tonight trying to protect your house. Fire Chief Broland, we thank you so much for the work you're doing. Uh, give the best to your crews. Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. All right, strong winds also whipping up the Kukapee Creek fire in the Fraser Canyon. That fire has now jumped Highway 1, forcing its closure and threatening not only homes in the area, but also vital railway tracks and some high-voltage transmission lines. Troy Charles is in hope with the latest on that fire. 65 years of history, gone in a flash. Oh, sick to my stomach. <laughs> There's still some processing going on, I guess. On Thursday, the Kukipi Creek fire tore through the historic Nahatlatch lookout tower. Situated between Boston Bar and Lytton, the iconic wooden structure was used until the 70s as a fire observation station. Not to minimize it, but, you know, it's, it's just a structure. We can rebuild it. Um, you know, thinking about people that are losing their homes, their livestock, that's a lot worse. The fire sits at about 9,000 hectares, and Thursday night prompted tactical evacuations to properties in the Nahatlatch, Boothroyd, and Boston Bar areas. Here outside of Hope, the first of many roadblocks on Highway 1. Some cars are being let through, but they can't go far. The fire crossed Highway 1 and has the road closed between Boston Bar and Lit. In Boston Bar, residents are under evacuation alert and have watched their skies turn dark. Stress. A lot of stress. It's a, um, it was a long night. We stayed up. DC Wildfire Service says crews are working to protect vital infrastructure, including railway lines. CN rail workers stationed in Boston Bar are ready to be evacuated at a moment's notice. We're expecting to be evacuated, I guess, this morning, but uh, they're still in standby depending on where the fire is going to be. With high winds expected to continue Friday, BC Wildfire says the fire could expand further east and north towards Lytton. We are expecting that fire to continue to grow as we continue to try to evaluate evacuation orders and alerts, protect structures, and do what we can to steer that fire away from the communities that are in that valley, which, as we all know, have been devastated by fire over the last number of years. The few remaining residents in the village of Lytton are currently on evacuation alert, just two years removed from the devastating wildfire that burned the city to the ground. It feels like it's a never-ending cycle. Troy Charles, Global News. And senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on the big X factor in all of this, and that's the weather, specifically the wind. What should we expect, Christy? Well, we finally got in behind that cold front today, Chris. A strong northwest flow tends to pick up behind a cold front. And that's exactly what we saw relentless through the afternoon and even into the evening with gusts ranging from 30 to 60 kilometers an hour. Now, we are expecting the winds to come down a little bit as we head through the overnight period. But I want to show you this. With that strong northwest flow, we talked a little bit earlier about and how dry it is. BC Wildfire Service says that the situation right now is aggressive fire behavior or aggressive movement. And 
And with that strong northwest flow, you can see it pushing towards structures as well as the highway. Now, as I mentioned, we are expecting the winds to ease a little bit overnight. Tomorrow afternoon, though, still some gusty winds expected, but not like what we experienced today. Thankfully, Chris, back to you. No doubt. Okay. Thanks very much for that, Christy. We're going to check in very quickly with Keith Baldry for more on the provincial fire situation here. Keith, Kelowna is bad, but that is not the only fire of note that firefighters are dealing with in this province. And you've got a bit of a rundown on what they're facing. Yeah, the wildfire service groups fires in different categories. There's those that are held, which are basically under control. Those that are out of control. There's about 163 right now. But the worst of the worst are what are called fires of note. Right now, there's 15 of them burning. Here's a map from the wildfire service. Uh, you can see about half of them are located in one area, and that's the southern interior and the Okanagan. They're called fires of note because they are very visible, which means they're close to people, and also they pose potential serious risk to people's personal safety and community personal safety. So we're talking about uh, close to a lot of communities. Uh, these are also leading to preparations being made as we speak. I just got off the phone with health ministry officials uh, to evacuate even more long-term care residents in the Kelowna area. It takes a long time to evacuate long-term care. It's not like a regular neighborhood where you just go door to door and say, pack up your stuff and get out. It's a very uh, cumbersome and difficult process and con time-consuming process. So right now there are preparations made to evacuate literally potentially hundreds of long-term care residents in the Okanagan in the event that this fire could get even more out of hand. These fires of note, again, 15 right now, that number could grow. And we're talking about places, we already showed some of them. Uh, we saw the Kukumi uh, uh, one near uh, Boston Bar. You've got uh, the Crater Creek fire, Adams Lake, there's two fires there. Uh, Ross Moore Lake, even Horse Thief Creek, which a lot of people haven't heard of. They are near communities and they are ones considered to be fires of note because they're so big uh, and, again, out of control. And even around the Prince George area as well. People will hear us talking about interface fires and those are those tend to be the most dangerous. They obviously mm -hmm. are a threat to people and to uh, property. A lot of people haven't really talked about the cost of the firefight. We've got so many assets in the air across the province fighting all of these fires. We were talking about this being mm -hmm. a record setter in terms of hectares burned, but it's likely to be a record setter in cost too, isn't it? Oh, for sure. We already hit the record of hectares burn. The re previous record was a few years ago, I think 2017, 1.35 million hectares. Now we're at 1.85 million hectares burned, and the number will continue to rise. The costs are what they are. There is no budget for fighting forest fires. The cost is whatever it takes to fight these things, and the, uh, the costs fluctuate from year to year. Last year was a relatively small expenditure. This year, I think, we'll break the record of more than $600 million in one year. But again, there's no real uh, attention paid to that in terms of trying to curb costs, uh, fighting fires cost money, and it, it's going to cost whatever it costs to contain these fires and to s keep people safe. And again, as you heard Richard say, if you're planning to travel to the Okanagan, don't do that. Don't go to Kelowna. And another thing I heard picked up from wildfires of officials today, Chris, they're worried about people engaging in what they call wildfire tourism. Don't go driving roads in the Okanagan to get a better view of the fires. You could be heating or impeding the flow of emergency crews and emergency vehicles. So stay home. Don't go out as a wildcat, wildfire tourist and don't go to Okanagan right now if you can avoid it. It's a very, very critical situation. That is definitely a message that we are going to be repeating uh, tonight and, and for the next several nights, I think, because uh, there's no quick end to what we're seeing in the Okanagan and in a lot of those nope. fires up the Fraser Valley and beyond. Very, uh, very, very busy weekend ahead.
Yeah, no doubt about it. And we'll keep you on the line, too, and talk to you about the, the impacts, uh, as always. Keith, thanks for your help. Uh, now, coordinating the emergency response during a wildfire is a massive job, and the BCRCMP Emergency Operations Centre sprang into action last night. It makes sure that police resources from around the province are sent where the officers are needed most. And Janet Brown has this rare look behind the scenes. Here at RCMP E-Division headquarters in Surrey is the RCMP Emergency Operations Centre. It is basically a command centre to respond to any emergencies that come up around the province at any time of the year. And of course the emergency right now, the wildfires. And at 4.30 on Thursday afternoon, this emergency operations centre swung into high gear. This is the Divisional Emergency Operations Centre, which is providing RCMP support for the wildfires. A call will uh, come in from any of the hot spots in the province when we're stood up. Um, they'll tell me what their need is in the field, and then our job will be to support, uh, source those officers and get them moving from A to B. They say many lessons have been learned since the wildfires of 2017, most importantly, being able to ramp up quickly. Uh, in a matter of hours, we're about to muster dozens of people to help us with logistic planning uh, in order to help communities across uh, the province. Fire officials in We'll finish that story a little bit later, but the province is holding an emergency update on the wildfires burning in our province. It's getting underway right now, so we're going to listen in. Uh, in uh, just the last 24 hours, the situation has evolved and deteriorated quite rapidly. In just the last hour, we've gone from about 4,500 homes under evacuation to about 15,000 homes, families being evacuated from their homes across the province. We have tens of thousands more across the province on evacuation alert. Tonight, as a result of this rapid deterioration, we are declaring a provincial state of emergency to ensure that we have rapid access to any tools that we may need to respond to this situation. And these tools are necessary to support communities, to support families, and support those brave frontline workers we're battling the fires in our forests and in our communities. There are some steps that British Columbians can take to assist our brave firefighters and our brave first responders. We need British Columbians to stay alert, to be prepared for evacuation warnings and evacuation alerts. If you get an evacuation order, please leave. I spent the day speaking with community leaders First Nations leadership across the province in affected areas. And one of their core messages is, please don't put firefighters at risk by staying in your home if you're under evacuation order. Please don't travel to affected areas. Only essential travel. We need roads clear for first responders, for emergency crews, for evacuees. And we need accommodation available as well. The situation is unpredictable right now, and there are certainly difficult days ahead. If there's a silver lining here, it's that we know that under stressful times, under difficult circumstances, British Columbians rise to the occasion. British Columbians are generous, compassionate, and resourceful, and we support each other, and we're going to keep doing that work. As a government, we're going to be here to support affected communities and families across the province, those parents who are comforting, stressed-out kids, those firefighters who are on the front lines, 
saving homes, saving communities, battling forest fires, those people wondering about what the future is going to look like in the next few days, the government will be there and British, Columbia, British Columbians across the province will be there for you. We can and we will get through this together. Thank you very much. Now I'd like to turn over to the Minister Responsible, Bowen Ma. Thank you so much, Premier, and good evening, everyone. I'm Bowen Ma, Minister of Emergency Management and Climate Readiness, joining you today from the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and the Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Before I begin, I'd like to echo Premier Evie and say that our hearts are with all of the people affected by wildfires across BC. And I want to offer my condolences to people who have lost their homes due to the McDougal Creek wildfire near West Kelowna. I'd also like to offer my condolences to people across the province that are facing similar situation. The last 24 hours have been tremendously difficult for many people across British Columbia. And over the last 24 hours, and since I last spoke to you this afternoon, the wildfire situation in BC has rapidly evolved. Approximately 15,000 people are under evacuation order across the province. Approximately 20,000 additional people are under an evacuation alert. The cold front we are experiencing throughout the province has resulted in a rapidly deteriorating situation. There are numerous fires across the province threatening communities. People have been mostly following our call not to travel to certain areas and to stay out of the way of emergency crews so that they can do their jobs. However, we are also seeing more and more people being evacuated and access to accommodation is increasingly challenging in the interior. We need accommodations available to keep people safe and to house critical response personnel like firefighters and healthcare staff. At this time, we are strongly recommending that people with plans to travel to fire-affected areas throughout the central interior and southeast in the coming days to cancel those plans. We need tourists and travelers to take this situation as seriously as the residents of these areas do. We ask that you please leave accommodation space available to evacuees, emergency personnel, and healthcare workers working across the province. I repeat, do not travel to wildfire-affected areas for non-essential reasons. By limiting our travel in affected areas, we can make room for those who need it and also ensure that our roads are clear for those who need to evacuate quickly. As Premier Eby mentioned, the first priority of our government is to ensure public safety. We will continue to do everything that we need to safeguard people and protect properties and communities from the threat of wildfire. By declaring a state of provincial emergency, we are able to enact extraordinary powers that, among other tools, could include legally enforceable orders that restrict travel to specific areas if people do not adhere to our calls to avoid non-essential travel to the central interior and southeast. We all have a part to play to protect ourselves, our families, our neighbours and our communities. This decision to declare a provincial state of, provincial state of emergency was not done lightly. It was made on the advice of emergency management officials and BC Wildfire Service experts. And I am continuing to encourage everyone to please follow the advice of your local government and First Nation. If you are put under an evacuation order, 
you must leave the area immediately. Evacuation alerts and orders are published on the uh, emergency BC, pardon me, emergency info BC website at emergencyinfobc.gov.bc.ca. Please stay calm, be alert, and be prepared. Thank you. I, I believe we have some time for a few questions. situation has deteriorated quite rapidly and uh, we're relying on the advice of the frontline officials that are on the ground right now uh, in terms of the tools they need to get the job done. If they advise us that they need an order for essential, uh, uh, essential uh, transportation only in these regions, uh, then uh, Minister Ma and her team and our government will not hesitate to issue those necessary orders right now. Uh, they want us to be prepared. They want us to have those tools ready for if we need them because this is a rapidly changing situation. And Richard, I know you asked uh, just one question, but I forgot the second half of your first question. How worried should people be right now, not just here in Kelowna, but in other parts of British Columbia? And that can be my follow-up. Well, I think uh, what we're asking all British Columbians to do is to stay calm, to stay alert, to uh, check in with media, to check in online about evacuation orders that may affect their area, uh, to be fire smart, as we've been asking people to do all summer. This is a, an historic wildfire season for British Columbia, and we need people to do their part to make sure that our province comes through this as best as possible. If you have the ability to support somebody with uh, storing an RV, with storing, uh, uh, with, uh, storing livestock, uh, in, uh, in agricultural communities. If you're able to take in a friend or a neighbor that's under evacuation order to ease pressure on accommodation, please reach out and uh, provide those offers to neighbors. Uh, this is the resourcefulness, the resilience, and the compassion of British Columbians that's going to get us through this. Uh, and I'll turn it maybe over to, to Minister Ma for anything she might add to, uh, to request British Columbians. All right, you just heard the Premier, David Eby, there declare a provincial state of emergency due to the wildfires uh, in the Okanagan and across the province that uh, in the last 24 hours, they went from 4,500 uh, properties on evacuation alert to about 15,000 homes in danger of being evacuated. The provincial state of emergency gives them powers to handle the challenge. And that could even include declaring that B.C. roads, especially in those fire zones, are for essential travel only. The call went out to people who are thinking about vacationing in the Okanagan and in those fire zones to please stay away. Now is not the time to be coming to British Columbia. That is for sure. And uh, we'll have continuing coverage of what that means uh, a little bit later. Now, B.C. pitches in to help those evacuated from the wildfires that are closing in on Yellowknife. Many hospital patients will be airlifted to YVR, 
We've got the plan to take care of them when they get here next on the News Hour. Prime Minister is in Edmonton visiting a centre housing evacuees from the fires in Yellowknife and across the Northwest Territories and also addressing the fires in B.C. It's important that people listen uh, to uh, all the best recommendations of the public safety and public health uh, authorities on how to keep safe. Uh, the federal government is uh, closely coordinating with, with the province of B.C. and we will be there uh, to add to whatever resources uh, B.C. has. Uh, and uh, we're all going to get through uh, this incredibly difficult summer uh, together. Now, the deadline to evacuate Yellowknife has passed, but the efforts to move the more than 20,000 people to safety continues. Travis Prasad is live at the South Terminal in Richmond, where patients from Yellowknife will soon be arriving. And Travis, uh, these are people from both care homes and medical patients that need treatment here. That's right. Care homes and medical patients, as you said, Chris, will be landing here at the South Terminal. You can see this pyramid-shaped pyramid building behind me. That's where this temporary triage center has been set up, and it's where the patients will go as soon as they land. From there, about 30 BCEHS ambulances and hospital transfer uh, vehicles will take them to their respective destinations. They're being flown in by the Canadian Armed Forces. Once they land, they're going to go through the triage here at the terminal. We know 13 of them are medical patients. The rest are long-term care residents who will be transported to Mount St. Joseph Long-Term Care, which is run jointly by Vancouver Coastal Health and Providence Health. That facility has beds, equipment and staff to support them. As for the medical patients, depending on their condition, they'll be taken by ambulance or patient transport vehicle to medical facilities across Metro Vancouver. The military aircraft carrying everyone is expected to land tonight around 9 p.m. The plan was for it to get here earlier this afternoon, but getting the patients loaded up has taken longer than hospital officials would have liked, partly because all the support staff for the patients had already left Yellowknife because of the evacuation order there. Northwest Territories is also facing a, a very challenging situation. They're working with provinces to receive evacuees. At this time, the primary partner for receiving evacuees for the Northwest Territories is Alberta and Saskatchewan. British Columbia really is a secondary partner. And in particular, given the challenges that we are facing here in this province, we've communicated uh, to the federal government and uh, those challenges, and they're very well aware of it. So this week there's been anywhere from 9,400 to 9,700 people in acute care in BC hospitals. Still, Health Minister Adrian Dix says the system does have capacity to bring in people from Yellowknife. So this plane is going to bring in 36 people. 13 of them are medical patients, the rest long-term care. It's expected sometime around 9 o'clock tonight. More patients were expected on this flight, but instead many of them were sent to Edmonton. Chris. All right, we'll take care of the ones we get. Thanks very much, Travis. That's Travis Prasad at YVR. Just ahead, we'll return to Kelowna and live coverage of the newest developments and evacuations later. And a look back at the great Kelowna fire of 2003 and why some say what's happening now is even worse. The McDougal Creek Fire is bringing back a lot of memories for people in Kelowna. The 2003 Okanagan Mountain Fire burned 239 homes. It was sparked by a lightning strike. And as John Waugh reports, a lot of people from those years who lived through it 
are remembering it 20 years later. First, it is the deafening silence that says it all. Kelowna residents left almost speechless. Yeah, I don't, I don't. As flashbacks deeply seared into their memories are painfully reignited. Like you feel you're into revelations in the Bible. It's just going everywhere. For Lynn Hale, watching the flames inch closer to her home is an experience she hoped to only live through once as an evacuee of the devastating Okanagan Mountain Park wildfire in 2003. You just sit on edge and you're wondering with anxiety, is your house going to burn? What's your family doing? Two decades ago, Hale's place was thankfully spared. The same could not be said of 239 other homes in the region left in ash and rubble. This fire is is obviously the worst thing that we've ever seen in this city and probably the worst thing we ever will see. The comparisons are already eerily similar. A wildfire in the same week of August amidst tinder dry conditions leading to mass evacuations. In 2003, 33,000 people were forced to flee their homes. Did you ever think you were going to die? Yeah, probably a lot of the guys did. The challenge also the same for firefighters putting their lives on the line against a beast that knows no boundaries. Uh, And we were surrounded as well on all sides with fire, Um, but we had a job to do and we did the best that we could. Today, there are fears those horrifying memories are about to be outmatched. It was beyond uh, all pictures uh, that we had in our minds. But being forced to relive this trauma does come with one certainty. Time does not erode resilience. Everywhere you look, there's a fire. You know, people are coming together here and uh, helping each other, which is nice. And the ability to be there for one another will always burn brightest of all. John Hua, Global News. And for all of those people in the fire, in the path of the fire and facing evacuation, the Insurance Bureau of Canada has some important tips First, you've got to have a copy of your insurance documents with you and the contact information for your insurer. Put those in your go bag. Read the documents so you know what your insurance covers and the limits of that coverage. And take pictures or create a video that records your belongings. All standard home, tenant and strata unit owners policies cover damage from wildfire. And... These coverages also include mass evacuation. So if you're evacuated, remember that you do have coverage for additional living expenses like hotel costs or additional food. So reach out to your insurance provider right away to start that claims process if you have been evacuated. And animal welfare organizations are stepping up and offering to provide safe spaces for evacuees' pets. The Regional Animal Protection Society says there is space in its Richmond Cat Sanctuary and it's prepared to host those family pets for families who have fled the fires. We're reaching out to people in Kelowna or anyone that's experiencing uh, wildfires um, to give them a hand in boarding their cats. Um, We have the largest uh, cat sanctuary in Canada. Um, And we have excess capacity that we'd like to make available to families with cats. To arrange accommodation, just email the shelter at info at wraps-bc.com. Coming up, BC Ferries takes on a major challenge to keep customers happy. It's an extremely labor-intensive effort. We've got a large team 
with the coastal renaissance out of commission, how the ferry service plans to pick up the slack. Plus, Canadian researchers had a gut feeling that led to a breakthrough in intestinal health. Weekend is proving to be another frustrating one for B.C. Ferries and its passengers. The coastal renaissance is out of service for what could be weeks. B.C. Ferries gave an update today on the situation and Catherine Urquhart has the latest. At Horseshoe Bay, ferry lineups stretched up onto the highway. Delays at this time of year to be expected. But now, getting to the central island is even more difficult. The coastal renaissance is out of commission. A vessel that had been operating between Tawasson and Duke Point, south of Nanaimo. We're walking, but the delays are way up the top of the road there. We'll all make it, but if you don't drive, you just walk. The Coastal Renaissance carries 370 vehicles along with 1,600 crew and passengers when she's working. BC Ferries says repairs require removing an engine. We have been able to tow the vessel uh, from Tawasson to Departure Bay. Uh, We have secured uh, a space at a shipyard where we will ultimately do the work. Fixing the vessel is expected to take weeks at a busy time of year. This latest challenge for BC Ferries comes amid already long summer lineups and as yet another holiday long weekend approaches. The Renaissance was replaced with a smaller vessel. BC Ferries says it's now working to rebook customers, giving them priority and compensation if warranted. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Edmonton researchers helped launch an international project on Crohn's disease 15 years ago, and now they've made two potentially life-changing discoveries. The GEM project recruited 5,000 healthy relatives of people with Crohn's and followed them to see who eventually developed the inflammatory bowel disease, who didn't, and why. They have now found two predictors of Crohn's, a leaky bowel and a unique combination of gut bacteria. The researchers say that information will help them prevent the disease in future patients. So now it's giving us a, a target to do something about it, right? And so how can we change the, the leaky bowel how can we change the microbiome that hopefully will reduce the risk of someone getting Crohn's disease in the future? Next step in the study is to test an intervention, not a drug, but a diet. And the researchers say that the Mediterranean diet could reduce gut inflammation. Well, more on the impact of the Kelowna fires. It's about to get very real for everyone on the South Coast, too. Why we're about to say goodbye to Blue Sky. Next. Strong and shifting winds have been the big problem for firefighters and residents in many parts of the province. And that could bring some smoke to our area. Christy's got the de- or Christy has the details right now in the forecast. Christy. Thanks so much, Chris. Yeah, so uh, what we had today was uh, that cold front moving through. That brought the shifty winds, but in behind the cold front, more sustained, strong northwest flow. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're so seeing so many evacuation orders and alerts right now, because that sustained, strong wind is really fueling the fires across the region, considering how dry it is. I want to quickly show you the gusts that we've had. They've ranged from 30 to 60 kilometers an hour. These are the peak winds, and you can see it's widespread. It's not just in the around the Cologne area. It's 
widespread across southern BC. Tonight, it's going to ease a little bit, but then pick up, become a little bit gusty late morning and afternoon, but not as bad as what we saw today and as well yesterday. But I think the impact from the winds that we saw over the last 24 hours will continue to be felt. The shift that Chris is talking about is this. We're going to see more offshore flow. That's going to bring smoke from the interior out towards the south coast. But what you can't see in this image, although the general flow will be offshore, down below near the surface, we're actually going to see a little bit more of a northwest flow pushing onshore across the lower mainland. So I don't think we're going to see as much smoke down below, but we're going to see smoke higher up. And that's going to create haze, not only Saturday, but into Sunday also. So that's what we're anticipating at this time. But some of those wind forecasts are very difficult. Uh, They're not always uh, very accurate. Uh, We'll see widespread smoke from Kamloops through Suez over towards Cranbrook. Not as much smoke across Vancouver Island, but we may see a little bit of haze, mostly, though, across the lower mainland. Hot and humid tomorrow, though, with that haze, with 23 to 30 degrees expected both Saturday and Sunday, and no rain in the forecast until potentially Wednesday, and it's still so many days away, so we'll keep you tuned on that. Um, McDoodle Fire Creek, um, sorry, I'm about to cough. Um, This is a Fire Creek uh, photo, as you can see, from Brenda. Uh, Just an exceptional fire indeed with that smoke plume. Chris, Mm -hmm. back to you. Yeah, the McDougal Creek fire is a monster, and that shows it in in great form. Thanks very much, Brenda, uh, for sending that in, and Christy. Now, coming up, we have an update from Kelowna, where fire crews are doing everything they can to prevent the loss of lives and property. Well, Kurt Mali is standing by, and look, you can probably guess what they're going to be following on Global News at 11 tonight, Kamal. Yeah, pretty obvious, Chris. The situation changing hour by hour in West Kelowna and wildfires in other parts of the province. So what we have coming up for you is that we'll hear from officials and residents updating us as the situation unfolds, including those who are stepping up to house people who've been forced from their homes. So a little bit of silver lining there, and our Richard Zussman is on the ground providing the latest as it comes in live on BC1 and on Global News at 11. All right, we'll stand by for that. Thanks very much, Kamala. And we do have crews in that area. Many of them will return now to Cassidy Moscone, who is in West Kelowna tonight. She's been following the trajectory of the fire there and across the lake all day for us. And Cassidy, as we head into the night, what's the status of the wildfire? How is it projected to grow? Well, look, there's only a few hours of daylight left so that aerial firefighting equipment you can probably hear in the background they will all be grounded very shortly and this firefight will be left in the hands of crews on the ground and I tell you what they are exhausted but they're doing their best and the community here you can feel it they are so grateful for these firefighters the West Kelowna fire chief warned us we're in for another spectacular and scary night mother nature will be in full force he warned the glow of the mountains will be like nothing the city has ever seen. It's hard to tell what ground was made today, if any. The last confirmed size of the fire was estimated at 6,800 hectares. That has likely grown and we know authorities have lost count. They can't keep up with the amount of evacuation orders and alerts. We know structures have gone in West Kelowna. We don't know that number, but we do know it is significant. No confirmation of loss on the east side of the lake in Kelowna yet. And most importantly, no loss of life or injuries that have been reported so far. Uh, We will risk a lot to save a lot, but when there's nothing to be saved, uh, no lives uh, to be protected, we have to make very difficult choices about where our firefighters go and the work that they do. 
lot of the community members here, we, we can see them around us. They're all just watching and waiting. Everyone is hoping for a favourable night. We know that the weather plays a really crucial role in all of this. Our crews will be keeping you up to date throughout the night. Chris. We definitely appreciate the work you're doing out there, Cassidy, and, and of course the fire crews who were there. The province, and we'll let you go because I know that you need some rest. You've been on the air all day. The province did declare a provincial state of emergency, which gives them more power to tackle these fires in ways that they haven't to this point, including the possibility of declaring essential travel only into some of those fire zones. They have not done that yet, but that is something that is on the table, as the premier mentioned earlier in our newscast. So we've got all the details for you here on Global and on BC1. So keep it right here for the latest information. Thanks very much for watching. Good luck to everybody in those fire zones.